This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Hey everybody, this is Freddie Cohen of ESPN Radio. When I'm not talking about breaking news or breaking news on ESPN Radio, I'm always a fan and listen to the Detroit Sports Podcast, and so should you. All I want to know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? Welcome, everybody, to another rousing edition of the Detroit Sports Podcast Network's one-on-one. Today, we have WXYZ's Justin Rose. You probably know him from the web show that I'm on with him. If you don't know him from there, you probably know him from the Channel 7 Sports Cave. And if not there, I know you've seen his beautiful face (laughs) on Channel 7 Sports. So, Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. uh, I've I've been... uh talking to you guys for about a year about coming in so it's exciting to finally get out here and see uh, where the magic happens i can right. see the you know the great De- detroit free press uh sports front pages from over the years that doc has up in the office so the one thing we're missing is we need like a big screen right there on the back That's is that in the budget doc <laughs> probably not <laughs> probably not Not yet not yet yeah not yet all right well hopefully you know this one will get you some sponsorships we'll see what so happens we can come back in and you know digital touch screen all that good stuff All right, well, for those who, this is your first time listening to one of these, basically this is a way for the listener to get to know a little bit more about you, Justin Rose. Let's kind of just kind of kick this whole thing off here. You grew up in St. Clair, Michigan. Mm -hmm. You went to St. Clair High School. Yep. From there, you went on to Michigan State. You studied journalism, broadcast journalism. At what point in your life did you realize that sports journalism and sports reporting was something that you wanted to do? You know, it's funny. I just talked to my, uh, a a guy that knew my dad. A lot of people don't know this about me, but. My dad was actually my principal of my high school. Dude, you cannot ever get in trouble. <laughs> it wasn't so much getting in trouble because I did get suspended for getting in a fight once. Did you win? That, that's the we, important part. We, we each got one swing in, and then the cops showed up, and we were like, okay, well, let's act like we're friends so we don't get in trouble. And it didn't work. This is the worst story ever. Here's the best. Here's, <laughs> if we really want to dive into that story, it's actually really funny because ye, maybe a year later, yeah. I'm, I'm working down at a, a place called The Voyager, and I had been a busboy and bowling alley attendant and, you know, kind of a server up in the bowling alley. And my boss comes up to me one day. And he's like, hey, we got a new hire. You're going to be training him today. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, where's he from? He's like, oh, he goes to St. Clair High School. I go, oh, really? What's his name? And he's like, Paul. And I was like, Paul? Like, I don't know any Paul. All of a sudden, the guy that got in a fight with me walks through the door and he's like, you got to be kidding me. Oh, and we ended up becoming pretty good friends like throughout the That's how the, it always the, happens, it's, right? But it was so we fought over some girl or something like that and it, it was kind of funny, but uh but it ended up being him. So uh but no, but you saved uh, that story by the way. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but it was so I, I ended up seeing him a couple of years after college or after college and stuff and I was just like we kind of reminisced on old times and stuff, but it was good stuff. Uh he's a good dude. So my uh, St. Clair and Marine City are a split district and they have a local cable channel like many cities in in michigan do local cable channel six got to give them a plug but they started airing varsity girls volleyball boys basketball and varsity football games on you know channel six along with the bulletin board that lets you know when there's a, a craft show or a bake sale you know one of those things so this is a low budget you know low tech quality channel but they came my dad would do uh, play-by-play because he actually went to Michigan State for broadcast when he was a, a youngster and realized that he wanted to be a teacher and so he kind of got away from it so he was calling the games and one day they're like do you want to do you want to try this and I was like yeah 
So I went up there. My first ever broadcast was a color and play-by-play with my father. And from there, they paid me 20 bucks a game to like take over. So my dad didn't have to do it anymore because he had other things to do. And so I would call varsity girls games. Uh, and then when I was on the JV basketball team, I called the varsity basketball game. So I would finish playing and then go up and sit up there and then do the play-by-play for the basketball games. Uh, and then ever since then, I got an internship with uh, throwback in time to high school hammer time. It was the first ever Southeast Detroit high school show. It was funded by Fred McLeod, who used to work at Channel 4. Uh, here in town. Now he's the voice of the Cavaliers. So every time the Cavs come to town, Freddie and I get together and we reminisce on old times. I was the first ever intern for that show with him. And uh, I just, I, I knew that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And I worked hard to continue to stay on that path. And I haven't ever detracted. How special was it to be able to do that with your dad? It was pretty cool. I look back, there's a picture somewhere around of me and him sitting there with our headsets on. And it was really, what was really cool is we went to the uh, Big Ten Championship game against Ohio State. That would have been the Rose Bowl year in 2013. And at the Big Ten, if you haven't gone to a Big Ten championship game, if you're a Michigan fan, maybe one day you'll get there and you get to experience this. But Michigan see State that, fans have been there. Shots already. Shots. Well, I mean, it's true. And these weren't Spartan gear. This is, this, is, this is not news to you. Michigan State has been there for three times. So if you've had a chance to go to the Big Ten championship game, you go to the Fan Fest. And at the Fan Fest in 2013, they had this really cool, like, simulator thing inside the fan fest where you could sit at the big 10 network desk and they run highlights and they start the show with the music and then you you get you have a script well me and my dad went off the script and we're like hey welcome everybody to indianapolis for the big 10 championship game i'm justin rose joined today by my co-host as always rick rose rick how you doing today and he's like oh, and so we kind of went back and forth about why michigan state would win beat ohio state get to the you know, and and it was just Really cool because we threw the script away, and it, and it was fun because people could watch you, obviously, because you had speakers there. But a huge group of people came over and like were watching us as we were like talking and stuff. So it was it was really cool, and, and he's been my biggest supporter for years. Uh, my mom as well, my sister as well. Uh, so I, I can't thank them enough because you know everyone thinks that this is glitz and glamour and all the money in the world, and it's not. And I've sacrificed a lot you know, financially and emotionally to be where I am at today. I think that's something that, you know, this isn't as glitz and glamoury as everyone wants to believe that it is. But without a good support system, it would never have happened. And, and my dad and my mom and my sister have been so supportive throughout the whole thing. From day one, did you know that you wanted to go to Michigan State? Yeah. I mean, my grandpa went there when it was still the MAC <laughs> back in the, you know. Michigan Ag- Agricultural College? Yeah. So he was, don't know. he was uh, he, they, my, from New York, and then my dad went there. My mom met my dad there. They went on their first date uh, when they on graduation day. So your whole Spartan legacy runs really deep in your family. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So there was was really no other choice. My sister went there, too, um, and she's four years ahead of me. So we never overlapped. So she was in. So I was when I was in high school, I would go up and visit her for weekends. And and I was like, Uh (laughs) sold. Um, But I did. I did apply to Michigan um, and I got in and I still have that letter and I paid the $250 application fee. Just so I could say to someone who would say to me, you only went to Michigan State because you couldn't get into Michigan. And I wanted to always have that letter to be like, yeah, okay. So now I have that letter. And no, but it was it was never a doubt. And then when I got into this, knowing that the Michigan State had a good journalism program, which they do, and it's only getting better, it was kind of made up for me. So after you graduate from MSU, you then take a position with Fox Sports Detroit. Mm-hmm. How exciting was that for you? And what did your position entail? I was a production assistant. Uh, actually I was an intern at first. I interned out of school, which 
I mean, kids these days are working for free out of school as anyway. So I was one of those. And basically it was, it was about, uh, you know, cutting the highlight tapes for the pregame and the postgame shows. And sometimes I worked on the specials like the Red Wings weekly or the Tigers weekly shows. At the time, uh, there was two girls that uh, three of us came in together, and we all kind of wanted to do the on-air thing. So they gave us some opportunities. So I did get to sideline a couple CCHA games back in the day, um, did some stuff for Tigers Weekly with some fans, trying to work on my reel because I worked there for about a year and a half, two years actually. I worked there for about two years, and then I and then I moved on to my first job. It was exciting. I mean, because here's the thing. 23 years old, you're living in Royal Oak, you're fresh out of college, and you have a job where you're covering sports. You're down on the Tigers dugout. You're in the Red Wings locker room. We didn't do anything with the Lions at the time because, but then I'm at Pistons game cutting highlight packages for the post game show. So it's smaller stuff. It's the behind the scenes stuff that kind of helps you get an idea for the business, but, but also learned about what it's going to take to get to be the on air guy at some point to know how you have to treat people behind the scenes because they're the ones that make you look good. And if you're a jerk, they'll make you look bad. So you, you, you learn how to, you learn, you grow up a lot. Um, that's one of the things that I think young people anymore as a whole think that they know everything and think that they're better than a lot of people who have been doing it for a lot longer. And that's the kind of thing that you got to learn. The quicker you can learn that, the, qu- the better off you're going to be. So basically it's about two and a half years because you do your internship, you work there for about two years. Now you realize that you kind of have to move away to take that next step in your career to get that next step in your development. How hard of a decision was that? I remember I was actually on a date with some girl at the Royal Oak uh, ice cream place out on uh, 11 Mile. What's that place called with the Superman in the in the uh, telephone booth? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm yeah, talking, I know what about? talking about? Yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting there and I get a phone call. It was like our first date. I get a phone call from West Virginia number. I'm going, West Virginia? Who's calling me from West Virginia? Hello? Hey, this is Scott Grayson from WBOY-TV. Hey, we've looked at your tape and we want to offer you a part-time job to come and work down here. You're going to be a reporter. You'll be a fill-in anchor. You'll kind of be doing it all. And I'm going, oh, wow. Well, okay, let me think about this. Go back to Fox Sports Detroit, and I talked to some of the people there, and they were like, I'm like, guys, it's it, it's less money. It's twenty one. It's not even $21,000 because it's part-time. It was $10 an hour for 20 hours of work a week. I think that's something that people don't realize either. You don't just come into this business going full-time. You come in. You got to take the crappiest shifts ever. Yep. You work part-time. And it, it's a constant hustle, and your schedule is all over the place. Oh yeah, I, my, I I work I have worked every weekend for the past six years. Think about that. Now, besides the weekends, I take off for vacation. But right. I mean, we're talking about my main. But but that's when sports happen. You know, if if, if you're a news person, you're like, oh man, we're, we're, the weekends is a tough grind because you know you got to find your own stories. There's not really a lot going on. But the for sports, I mean, I'm going to Michigan, Michigan State tomorrow. So that's the biggest game of the week. All week long, we've been building up to this game on a Saturday. I'll be doing that on a Saturday. I'm looking forward to that. Sunday, I have my show on, 11 a.m., Channel 7. Check a little plug there. It's great. It's a good show. Uh, and then the Super Bowl. So, I mean, th- this weekend will be a little bit lax because the Super Bowl, I don't have to work for the Super Bowl. I get to go and enjoy myself and, and have some fun with friends. But that's how it is. You know, every weekend is the same kind of find the big story on Saturday, do the cave, and then something else on Sunday, whether I have a story shoot or if there's a game going on Sunday afternoons. Yeah. I mean, the, as far as the decision to move, I, I remember I got the best piece of advice from uh, one of the producers, the coordinating producers at Fox Sports Detroit. He said, because I said, man, I don't know. It's a part-time job. It's $200 a week. Think about that. 
Doesn't that become like when you're trying to figure out how you're going to move down there, how you're going to live? Are you trying to figure out at this point, how are, how am I going to make ends meet with $200 a week? Like, right. how am I going to live? What am I going to have to do right. to be able to, to sit there and just be able to survive? Like well, that, living off ramen noodles again. That comes back to the, the, the support system that I have with my family. And, and we're fortunate enough that my, from my dad's perspective, it was this is a no brainer. We have your back. We'll help you do what you need to do because he vicariously lives through me a little bit simply because he did get into broadcasting. He did study it. He had a radio show in East Lansing on the student network. Like he was calling doing highlights, but at the time it was a different business back then. And he cut his dream, I think short and was realistic about things. Whereas my dream is the same as his was. So he's like, well, we we can make this work. We can do this. So that was one of the things that played into it. But the best piece of advice was I was like, because they had offered me a full-time producer job at Fox Sports Detroit. And they were like, but here's the caveat. No more on-air stuff. Like, you're not going to spend any of your time trying to cultivate yourself in an on-air perspective. You are going to be a producer. You're going to produce for weekly shows and you grow from there and you'll, you, you could work here for a long time. The same two girls that wanted to be on-air with me are still at Fox Sports Detroit still doing great things with producing and stuff, but their on-air dream had died. So the best piece of advice was, what if in one year's time, no one else looks at your tape and gives you a shot, and the same job opens up part-time, 20 hours a week, $10 an hour, in one year, you will have wasted an entire year of getting better because you think something better is going to come along. Instead of grasping an opportunity, dealing with struggles of the financial burdens that it'll put on you, but you'll be doing what you want to do. You'll be starting your, your, your career. And so I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. So I left and I moved down to Clarksburg, Morgantown, West Virginia. What was the most challenging part about going to Clarksburg, West Virginia? Um, I remember when we drove in for the first time to, to, to the station and I was with my dad and, and we pulled off of Highway 50 and we drove through, and this this is an old I re- coal. I really wish we had video right now because you look oh, so man. pained. <laughs> it's an old cold town from back in the day when coal was, mm-hmm. you know, West Virginia's like golden egg. And and my dad looked at me and with a white face, and he goes, this is it? And I was like, oh, what am I getting myself into? Because it was in the sticks, and, and these buildings don't look new or fresh or vibrant. They look run down and old and decrepit and... It was just, it was a startling sight. And, you know, the people were really great at the station. It was a starter market for sure. There's a lot of young people there. And, and you know, the, the people in charge kind of knew what they were getting with the new talent and stuff like that. Young people making mistakes. But that's what you needed. That's what I needed. I know I needed to go down there and get my butt kicked a little bit to recognize what I needed to get better at and where I was faltering at, at what I was doing. So I thought that was really uh, quite the interesting thing turn of events because it was all high school they had five division two colleges down there so it was nice to form relationships with people that's how i learned how to tell a story for the first time and how to really find the human element of sports and because high school stuff you there's no there's no there's no sid telling me i can't talk to a player there's no you know if i showed up at high school it was a big deal it was a it was kind of that big fish, small pond mentality where, oh, channel 12 is here. This is great. Like, this is going to be great. And so I tried some new different things and found out what works, found out what doesn't work. And some of my work reflects in that today. And some of it doesn't, I, you know, because I cut out some of the things that didn't work down there. But who cares down there? Like, it didn't matter to a certain degree what I did and didn't do down there because 
it was smaller market TV, market 167 out of 202. So when you showed up, safe to say that there was a little bit of a culture shock, but through your time there, what was the most rewarding experience you had? Oh, man. Um, that's, I, I didn't think about that. Probably the growth. I'd have to say the, just, the, just the personal growth that, that came along with recognizing that I was following my dream and that I was, it was really trying. There were times that I'd call my parents just being like, I'm done. I, I, I can't financially burden us anymore. Like my, my checks would bounce every other week. I mean, I couldn't pay rent and I couldn't buy groceries. And I thought about going on government programming. I mean, that's how bad it got financially that like, you know, it, it was, it was like, how do people, how do people live on this with kids or a wife or a family to support? I'm just trying to support myself and I'm not some, I wasn't living a lap of luxury by any stretch of the, I was living in student housing. Like I was a college kid, so I was just trying to get the cheapest plus money could buy for a place to just sleep, and it was just so difficult to 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 try to balance everything. But um, I don't know. The most rewarding thing coming out of that is that I just I grew up. I started to grow up. Still always growing, but I started to grow up, and I was doing what I loved, and so it never felt like work. The only problem was is it was the most hardest part was when the money wasn't there and you're like working so hard and you're just diving right into it. And then you look at your bank account and you're going, what's going on here? That was, but, but I don't know. I'd have to say the people, I loved West Virginia. The people there were great. I mean, and it really was, and it's not the celebrity moment. I don't want to make it sound like I was like loved being seen or whatever, but when you go out and and you tell a story and you get emails and calls from people, thank you so much for coming out. Like what a great story. You did such a nice job. You know, like those are the types of things that, 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 that I really look back and remember being a part of when I was when I was in West Virginia. All right. So you spend another basically it's two and a half years there as well. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see a, a pattern here. Well, two and a half years you bounce around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well what happened was uh after six months of the part time gig, they ended up making it full time. So the money did kind of get better because I ended a little up, bit. Well, twenty one grand. Okay. So there you go. So do your taxes. So, so not ramen the, anymore. Now you're up to cup of soup. Do do you do your taxes and you make about you clear about sixteen five a year. All right. So, so the money is a little bit better, but so six months. But that still was like really really tough. But I had uh, it was it was time to move on to the next thing, and I, I found an opportunity that was in Lansing at WLNS. Um, I knew um, some people that worked there, and they approached me with like, "Hey, you can be our number three. It's a non contract job." The money's not going to be great, but it's going to be better than what you're doing until you get your next opportunity. I was like, this is a no-brainer. It's at home. It's in East Lansing. I cover the team, my alma mater. This is a, and, I, and I get to come back home to Michigan and spend some time with my family and friends after being away for about three years. And so I moved back there. And it's always the funniest thing about it is I moved back. And my first day of work was Mark D'Antonio's spring football press conference and Tom Izzo's like post memoriam because they just lost to Louisville in the Sweet 16 that year. That would have been 2011, I believe. That was my first day of work. My last day of work in Lansing was Mark D'Antonio's fall football press conference. So I had only worked there from April, May, June, July, and like August. And then I moved to Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh called me up. I had kind of already flirted with them when I was in West Virginia. The job didn't work out the first time, but when it reopened, they called me and they said, look, we don't even need to interview you. We're hiring you. You're the guy that we want. So then I moved back down to Pittsburgh. So you get your big break, you go to Pittsburgh. And what was that like for you? That was, it was, it was fantastic. I mean, it's, 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 you're making a 85 market jump from 115 Lansing to 25 Pittsburgh. And 
We're not talking about covering high school football anymore. We're not talking about covering the Division Two stuff. I'm walking in and I'm covering the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Pirates. We know you love the Penguins. Sidney Crosby, we're, we're going to touch on that here in a minute. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, P- Pittsburgh and, and the, the city itself, and I will continue to make this parallel until probably the day that I die. Pittsburgh and Detroit are like the same types of places. They both had big industry, steel for, the, for Pittsburgh and the, and the automotive here in Detroit. They both crashed terribly. And the, I mean, Pittsburgh was a dump about 25 years ago. Seriously, like it was as bad as Detroit has been. But now it's on its way back and it's growing and people are putting money and youth is coming back and the tech business is really moving in and settling in and roots there. And you see growth in places that were just dumps for forever. And now it's like vibrant and, you know, gentrification is really a, like a, it's not a bad thing in Pittsburgh. I don't want the, but we see that in Detroit right now. We're seeing growth and building and the city is turning around. And I mean, I, as a kid, I never went to Detroit. We, we went to one, one or two Tigers games a year and we got the hell out of there. Now, I spend time down in Detroit. I go down to Campus Marshes for coffee in the summertime, and I like to go skating in the wintertime, and I'll go walk down there. And once that Nike store opens, you can bet I'll be there probably once a week trying to find a good deal. So, you know, it's just it's just awesome to be down there, and, and, and the growth is they're, – they're so parallel as the growths happen, and they're great sports towns. And that's something I knew I would settle in real easy with Pittsburgh because coming and living and growing up in a great sports town, I knew that I would just wrap my head into what Pittsburgh had going on. Speaking of the growth, did you see yourself growing in your field now? Did you see yourself developing new talents, being able to do more, being able to handle a lot more and stickier situations? Well, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll never forget the, uh, the time right before the Penguins made their run to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bruins. One of our other sports anchors quit. So it was me, Guy Junker, with the best TV name in the world, and one of my best friends, love you, Guy, and our sports director, Andrew Stocky. And Andrew had vacation that he had already planned a year in advance. And then his, his father passed away, sadly. So Andrew was out of the equation. Guy had to fill in on the anchor desk. They end up sending me to travel for the, the first round series against the Islanders. So I go out to New York, New York for that. And then they had me go to Boston for the, the series when they got swept. But, and I was covering home games in Pittsburgh. So all of a sudden, I went from kind of doing like taped reports and stuff like that and littler stories to being the guy. I was the guy. And that was when I really like had to elevate my game and elevate my because I was live every day. And, you know, this is a big deal. You can't screw this up. This is you got to go out there and perform. And I and I did it. I remember being done with it and finishing it and going, all right, you're okay at this. You're pretty good at this. You, You got you got some room to improve. You can always get better. But, you know, that was when I kind of had that like big time moment like you know what it's just tv don't even get worried about the camera anymore i mean i i don't get nervous anymore you can't because it's just part of the repetition thing you know you you do it so much and then all of a sudden you're you're numb to it to a certain degree and you don't worry about it and some when something goes wrong i know how to navigate when the prompter dies or when i lose my train of thought and you can make fun of yourself and you can you can be yourself on tv i'm the same guy right now as i would be if there was a camera rolling on me I really, truly believe that. And I think that that's the best piece of advice I can give to anybody. Be yourself because people much more just lost my train of thought. See what I mean? <laughs> like, but if you, if you're genuine with people and you, and you talk to them, talk through your own problem or whatever, when you're live or when something doesn't go right, you're going to be okay. So, uh, that was, that was, that was a lot of fun. The, uh, just the, that, that run to the playoffs. And it's always funny because, you know, this is, this is one of the, the stories that 
talk about adversity when you face in your career. I get back from that run and I had talked to people in my sports department and people in the newsroom and they're like, you need to apply for the job that the other anchor left. You could, you can do it. You could be in Pittsburgh. You could be a sports guy here for a long time. I'm like, you're right. I could do this. I just proved that I can, I'm trustworthy. I tell a good story. I find the angles and I, and I perform on camera. I could do this. So I go into my news director. This is not the same guy that hired me, mind you. And I say to him, I think I can do this. I think you should, you should consider me for the, for the opening. And I'd like to put my name in the hat. I know you're going to be looking for candidates, but I think that you have one right here in your grasp. And he goes, okay, well, I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. Um, this is going to be a national, national search. And we're going to be looking at a lot of people from around the country. And I said, I understand that, but you've seen what I can do. You know where I want to be. You know where my heart's at. Let's do this. And he said, well, again, it's a national search and you know, we're going to be looking for somebody with a lot more talent and frankly, a better personality than you have. Talk about some cold water, eh? Oh, it got chilly in there real quick. And I was like, what? And he was like, you're a producer. Because my title was sports producer, fill-in reporter, and fill-in anchor. So it was, he was not wrong, but I had kind of been, I was an MMJ, multimedia journalist, before they really knew what that meant in mm-hmm. that business, or in that city, in that station. So I was, I, I was able to do it all. I was able to produce, but I was also able to go and shoot a story earlier in the day for the newscast or go gather sound or go interview players and make relationships with the coaches at Pitt and the Steelers and the Penguins. I mean, Clint Hurdle came to Detroit last year, and I went into the Pirates clubhouse. Four different players came up to me and had conversations with me, and Clint Hurdle and I talked for, I don't know, about 20 minutes, just kind of just shooting the breeze. And... That was because of a relationship that I had. So I, you know what I mean? Like I was doing it all before. So when this guy tells me, hey, you're not really good at this job. You don't have a very good personality and I don't want you on TV anymore. I was like, well, then I need to go. Was that some motivation for you? Oh, absolutely. Just kind of like you just want to stick it to him? Absolutely. It was. But it also, it also is a good learning moment. I don't look, I don't hold, because he was professional about it. There was nothing, there was no ill will, I don't think, beyond those words that he said. I think that he retracted that a little bit as he moved forward because I don't ever, I would never tell somebody what he told me the way that he told it to me. I mean, it's one thing to, to hear what I have to say and be like, well, we will consider you, but you know, I don't know if it's going to happen. That's the way to say it. Mm-hmm. You don't tell, you don't attack somebody's character and personality, personality. by, in a professional way. But he let me out of my contract a year early. Um, he, and he kind of wished me good luck, like good luck getting a job on TV kind of like thing. He's from Michigan. So when I went in there and I told him I got the job at, at, at Broadcast House, which is a nationally recognized legacy station, his face just dropped. And I was just like, thanks for everything. See you later. So it was a good vindication moment when, when I went to a bigger market, had a more expanded role than he was allowing to give me. And I, I believe I'm having some success doing it here. So just to get everybody caught up, you graduate from MSU. You work at Fox Sports Detroit. From there, you head over to West Virginia. From West Virginia, you struggle a little bit. You get promoted to full-time. You then bounce back to Lansing. From Lansing, you now head to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, it sounds like your boss is a real curmudgeon and has a stick up his butt. And now that brings you back here. So after two years of being the biggest Sidney Crosby fan you can be, (laughs) you get to come home and you get to tag team Detroit Sports with Brad Gailey. How exciting and how big of a moment was it for you to be able to come home and work for Channel 7, for Broadcast House, and do what you're doing. I mean, I I know you just said that you kind of got to stick it to him and you basically got to give him the uh, the old uh, it wasn't about, finger salute. It wasn't but. about him. It wasn't about him. It never was. I never, because I, I got over it. And right. that was the thing that I, you know, that was part of that growing process that we talked about. Like, 
He was the first person who ever told me I wasn't any good at my job. And you have to learn that this business has a lot of subjectivity to it. And some people think you're good at it. Some people think you don't. That's okay. I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion with anything. But this guy, I never like looked back like, I got to get him. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to move forward. I hired an agent, Greg Willinger out in New York City. And uh, he's looked at my stuff and he said, I will have no problem moving you to a big market. And I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to have a very long and successful career in this business. Now, part of that is agent speak because I'm paying him a lot of money to be my agent. But it's also true. And he's like, you need to believe that I believe in you and I will do what I need to do to get you to where you want to be. Coming back home, I mean, and I always did. I always had said when I left Fox Sports Detroit that I only wanted to come back to Michigan on my own terms. I didn't want to just sulk back into town and take like a part-time job or do something just to be home. I wanted to come back when I could be, when it could be celebrated by myself and my family and my friends. And it was the right job to come back for. And I really felt that this opportunity was the right job to come back for because I'd gone away. I had learned and I said, I'm ready to go back home and showcase what I can do and tell people about the teams that I grew up with that I know the most about. I know about Michigan. I know about Michigan State. I know the histories there. I know the Red Wings. I know the Pistons. I know the Lions. I know the Tigers. Let's talk about it. Let's get involved. And you don't have to tell me why the rivalry is important. You don't have to tell me about why the Avalanche and Red Wings will be always the best rivalry in sports in the, in the, in the mid-90s. You don't have to explain it to me. I know it. I get it. And I think that's one of the things that's easier about coming back home after all that time is because now I know how to tell that story in a different way, or I know how to present the information in a different and fun and entertaining way. So coming back home was, I mean, it was a dream. I bought a house. Like, my friends are here. My family is so nice. I have a three-year-old niece. I love her to death, and I get to be around her for her developmental years, which is so important. I'm her godfather. So I, I couldn't see her when I was in Pittsburgh as much as I would have liked. And now I get to come home. We get to go to dinner once a week. We get to hang out. I get to babysit. Like, these are all things that I wanted to do and I felt like I was away from, but now I'm back home. It's, it's completely different and so much more fun. And, and my overall life happiness is much better because I get to be here. So along this journey that you've had to get back to Detroit, have you had any mentors that have helped kind of guide you and give you some good advice along the way? Yeah, Tom Lydon was a big one, and he was one of the driving factors for getting me back home, former sports director at Channel 7, because Tom and I had met, you know, and it's actually really interesting, Mike Murray's another one. He's the general manager over at 7. He and I met because my fraternity brother married his daughter, and before when I was at Fox Sports Detroit, before I left for West Virginia, he got us in touch. He had me out to Broadcast House. We did like a quick little tour, and we ended up getting like breakfast, because they have like a little cafeteria on, on campus there, and he had said something to me to this day. We kind of laugh about it when we pass each other in the hallways. He's like, I have no doubt that you'll have a, a great career and you're going to come back here and work for us someday. And this is six years ago. He, he had no idea right. that you know my forecast would have brought me back. But it was a no-brainer when Tom called me and then he went to Mike and said, hey, Justin Rose, you know this guy. We know what he can do. He's gone and done it. Let's bring him back. It was almost like, you know, quick, quick, good. We're happy with this decision. This is not the wrong decision. So... Tom Lydon was a big one. Um, I mean, pretty much anybody I had worked with. Uh, Scott Grayson, he gave me my first chance on TV. He's now in Philadelphia working for an ESPN uh, radio station. He comes back and does some things with the Mountaineers every now and then. You know, I got to give a shout out to Guy Junker, who is the best name in TV. I mean, it's the best name. And he's the weekend anchor. He's been in Pittsburgh for 40 years. I mean, he's just in, in the way that he I learned how to tell a story from him and how to talk on camera and be yourself and kind of, you know, just some, I picked up so many things from him and his knowledge of sports and stuff like that. And um, 
you know, Fred McLeod, again, he's the first guy that ever really took a shot on me way back in the day, you know, give me an internship when I didn't even know what it was. But um, so I mean, there, there definitely have been, and there's more, there's always going to be more. And then, you know, you can't ever name them all. It's, it's like that whole Oscar speech, you know, I don't want to forget anybody, but uh, so yeah, so there, there's definitely been some people that have really meant a lot on the, on the way. What has been the most challenging part of your journey? Oh, the sacrifice of moving around a lot, missing things. I, I haven't had very much success with relationships <laughs> because of the uh, doc and I were talking before the show about that a little bit. But I mean, because that's one of the things is, is this job is so unpredictable and the schedule is is equally unpredictable and normal down to earth people. The first thing on a, uh, a, a date Hey, I might not be here in two years. You interested in moving forward? Well, no, I, I live here. I like it here. And, and even now, I mean, I don't know what my next step's going to be. I don't know if I'll be in Detroit for the rest of my life or if I'll go to a, another city or go to a network or something. I, I, I can't forecast that. So it's kind of got to be a, uh, it's going to be an interesting road when it comes to like a relationship because that impacts somebody else a lot. So I think that that's it. The financial aspect of it has always been difficult because I mean, now I'm okay. I wasn't for a really long time, you know, I mean, even in Pittsburgh, the money wasn't great. So, you know, that's been, that's, those are the challenging things. But as far as the job itself goes, this is going to sound maybe a little conceited, but it's, it's so natural to me. Mm -hmm. And it's so, it's like, if you're good, you, you out there listening and you're good at your craft and you're good at your trade, you can be proud of that, that you know that you go to work and you don't have to challenge. Now, if you put a math equation in front of me, we're going to have some challenges, guys. I'm not good at math, so I would not be a very good Bring accountant. Bring abacus. Let's yeah, go. Get I would not be a good accountant. <laughs> I am very self-aware of the things that I'm good at and the things that I'm not good at. Math and science, very poor. Talking on camera and understanding the knowledge and the depth of sports, very good. So go to your go to your strengths. So I think that was one thing that you know, challenging-wise is, okay, you're naturally kind of good at this, how can you be great at this? And I'm still doing that. I'm still, every day I go to work, I go, how can I tell this story differently? How can I, how can I not fall into a rut of finding a way to do something over and over and over again? Because then you get predictable. You don't want that. And you, so you're always, and it's a creative mindset of how to tell a story. And that's something that I pride myself on is trying to find a different way to tell the story than I did the last time. Because you do fall into, I mean, a game story is a game story, Right. So this is what happened. If you in the write game. enough of them, or you do enough of them. They... And the Michigan State Spartans exactly. beat the Michigan Wolverines. Soundbite player, soundbite player. The play of the game was when they dropped the ball, and Michigan State picked it up and returned for a touchdown. Player, soundbite, player, soundbite. This old Michigan State has now won seven of the last eight. Reporting in Ann Arbor, that is boring. No one cares. Everyone knows that's what happened. Give me an element. Give me something juicy. Tell me that story in an exciting way. Mind and you, you people, that. this is what he paid. Four years for at Michigan State, so you can learn that formula. Because I did the same thing at OU. <laughs> you got to learn the formula, and then you can tweak it, and you right. make it your own, and you make it better. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a little bit of relationship advice. All right. Oh boy, w- here it w- comes. with your bouncing around in two years <laughs> or whatever. Marry a nurse, marry a doctor. They're batshit crazy. Honestly, they're batshit crazy. But if you got to pick up and leave, I guarantee you they'll be able to find a job. Yeah, that's true. That's what I did. I've been told. And she's batshit crazy, but I love her to death. <laughs> All right, so what's your favorite part about being on TV? Now we're getting into some of the fun stuff here. Okay. We, we've, got your, we've got your story. We've got how you got to this point. But now, what's your favorite part about being on TV? You know, I don't even like being on TV. Really? I mean, that's... that's you shocked that's- me. I mean, I I, I, I watch you. I'm sitting there at the bar and I'm half in the bag. And I'm like, oh, it's my boy, Justin. I mean, you get used to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am aware that I'm on TV, but I don't. So there are days that I go to work and I'm like, yeah, I really want to be on TV today. 
you know, I don't look good. I don't feel good. I don't want to do it today. And so I craft my story in a way where I don't have to do a stand up. I don't have to be on TV. My voice will be on TV, but I don't have to be on TV. Um, I've really, that's another thing I've learned is I don't have to be a part of the story. I don't care about airtime anymore. I used to when you're young and you're like, I want to be on TV all day, every day. And I think that was one of the things that the boss in Pittsburgh who didn't like my work on TV, I told him that because I really felt that I go, well, if you don't want me to be on TV, that's fine. But I don't care if you put me on TV or not. I just want to do my job. And my job is to gather news information, sports news information, and present it to the people. That's my job. So if I do that in producing or if I do that in reporting, I'm still doing that. So I don't, I mean, I don't know, the rush, I guess. I don't get nervous, but I also, if I'm like, if I, I field anchored from when the day that Rod Wood got introduced by the Lions. So field anchoring is when you go out there and you're in front of the camera and you have the rundown in your head, but you don't have a script. And I just, I just winged it for three minutes and I tossed the sound bites and I read over video and I, I had a whole sports cast. And I remember right before I went on, the light went on cause it was dark out. So I'm spotlighted in the dark and I'm like, this is great. And I, and I crushed it. I nailed it that day and I got done and I was like, yeah, like I was energized. So I guess that would be if you had to say the best part of it being on TV is is the rush and it's just TV. That's like the the the, the slogan that kind of we use in the business like it's just TV stupid. Like it's not life and death. If you make a mistake, no one's going to come with you after you with pitchforks and fire. You're you're going to be okay. But when you do nail it and when you do do something right, man, there's nothing better than than really crushing something a story or something like that. So that's maybe the best part of 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 being quote unquote bunny ears air quotes on TV. on tv so you've also had some opportunities to do some sports talk radio mm-hmm. we've got to listen to you do a very good job what do you enjoy most about that i like that because as we're the business is changing and i think everything's becoming a little bit more opinionated because facts and information come from so many different outlets that no one necessarily turns just to channel seven for their sports news at six o'clock so I need to be very active on Twitter all day. I need to get information out there all day. Facebook and, and Instagram and the teams themselves are, have their own departments for information anymore anyways. I mean, look at what the Lions and the Red Wings and the Tigers are all doing. Pistons, for their own sake, are the, the stories are breaking on their websites before they're breaking anywhere else. So that's something that I, you know, talk radio is great. I love that, that I can do that, but I like that I can be a little bit more opinionated on talk radio and and I that that also turns into my show on Sunday mornings at eleven o'clock on channel seven, uh the sports cave, because people are really interested in what hired people have to say about it. I don't think I'm any different than either of you as far as our opinions for sports go, and your opinion is not any worse or any better than mine. It's an opinion. So I get paid to have an opinion, as whereas not everybody gets paid to have an opinion, but everyone still can have an opinion. And just because my opinion to me doesn't match with yours doesn't make yours any less valuable. But that's kind of how I approach the sports talk radio and the sports cave business is I have an opinion. And I think that my opinion is, is something that can be debated. It's it's never out of a bad place. It's never out of an, an uninformed place. It's an opinion made out of an informed decision on some team or players end that I get to say, hey, I like that. I don't like that. And here's why. And because of my title and because of the work that I put in, I get to have a little bit more of of an opinion that people I don't want to say respect, but it is a it is an informed opinion that pe- that people can take more seriously than Joe walking down the street. So that's the best part about talk radio. And I like the looseness of it. And it's fun to, to banter and, and different things like that. So hopefully you get some more opportunities here in the future. You brought up social media. How important is that in what you do day in, day out? doing sports, doing broadcasting, 
I struggle with this a little bit because I think that there are more people on Twitter than there really are. Twitter is very unused. It's a, a, across the board. I mean, the diehards are in on it, but for the most part, I mean, your mom doesn't have Twitter, does she? No. But she got a Facebook. She does. So what am I doing wrong? Because if I'm using Twitter like it's the end-all, be-all of social media, I'm wrong. Okay? You know, like people aren't on Twitter as much as you think. People are on Facebook the more that you think. But Facebook has become like the Google where it's an unlimited source of information that if you're not following somebody directly, you're never going to see anything that they do. Yeah, I was going to say, don't you feel more like Facebook's a little bit more private? It's more personal, whereas Twitter's a little bit more out there. You can obtain more people and you can reach more people with Twitter than with more Facebook Facebook or Instagram. Facebook has been – the thing with Facebook that I don't like is that you're right. It is more personal and it is much more of a – you know, I mean, I, I post pictures of me and my friends on, on Facebook, so I'm not going to be friends with random guy on Facebook personally. Right. Now, if I ever want I, – I don't have a Justin Rose fan page because I think that's kind of stupid, but that's how the difference is. Yourself yeah, point, exactly. Right? Yeah, I, I don't want to post everything that I do on my, my personal page and then my private page mm-hmm. or – you know what I mean? I, I, it's – it's just too much for me, but you're right. Twitter is much more out there, and it's a, I, th- I believe that Twitter is more of a – you know what you're getting when you go on to Twitter. When you go on Facebook, you can get a plethora of things. You can get pictures of kids, pictures of weddings, uh, goofy videos from you know turtles, and, and, and all the everything in between. When you go on Twitter, you get all the same stuff, but you get to choose who you follow – it just it's just designed more to be more directional in what you're looking for. If you want to follow sports people, you don't go to Facebook. You go to Twitter. And that's kind of how I, I put it. So it's it's fun. It's nice to get involved with some people. I mean, there's trolls all over the place, which is crazy. <laughs> Doc. But biggest uh, troll out there. But <laughs> trolls me all the time. It it's 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 fun. It's fun to have a good, healthy conversation, but when it gets personal, that's when I just go, okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Gotcha. That's a problem with it. I think everyone everyone's allowed to have an opinion. No one's saying don't have an opinion, but I mean, when, when, I, when I say something nice or mean about the University of Michigan, everyone's like, oh, that's only because you went to state. And it's like, no, take my personal history out of this. I'm evaluating the situation for the situation, and your only retort is because I went to Michigan State? Come on. Like, let's have a little bit more of a, a discussion here about this if you really want to get into it. So that's the one the one thing that it's, it's it's on both sides. And look, I don't even get it as bad as some other people do. And, you know, as I progress through, I, I want to be informative on Twitter. I want people to follow me for the information that I give out, the humor that I sometimes throw out there. But which sometimes gets taken the wrong way, which always gets taken the wrong way. What are some? I mean, there's some people mind. There's some people that just are, are out there to, to poke the bear to poke the bear. And once you get over that, you kind of know that that's, it is what it is. So I know you like the EDM, and I know that's usually what you're rocking out to <laughs> in your car. <laughs> yep. But do you listen to any sports talk radio? Yeah, I do. I listen to both channels in, in Detroit. Um, who do you like? Who do I like? Yeah. Well, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but no, it's okay. Valenti- I think we all kind of have our favorites. I mean, Valenti and Foster are good. I like I like the production value of that show, mm-hmm. and that's funny to say because it's a like radio production. But like, I think they do a nice job. But I, you know, I also like I like Ryan and Rico over in the mornings. So that's kind of how I listen to it. And then I'll listen to uh, uh, Matt Derry and Drew Sharp in, in the evenings on the on the way home from work sometimes. But uh, I don't I don't probably listen to it enough during like at my desk. I don't pod anything while I'm listening to stuff at my desk unless unless something's plugged on Twitter and I'm like oh I got to listen to that. But uh, that, those are the three. I'm not gonna say i don't like anybody mm-hmm. but there are there are some those, shows are I, those are some shows i like better than than others as you put it you were a very below average athlete in <laughs> high school 
Can you explain the important sports has had in your life and uh, if there's any awesome stories you want to share? Oh, sports has been sports has been my life. I was a pretty good hockey player growing up as a kid uh, until I got my third concussion. <laughs> I had to step away from the game for a little while. But sports, look, sports is great. I think everyone should play sports growing up, even if you're not good at it. I mean, because I, it teaches me hard work. I mean, I got almost cut from my seventh grade basketball team and barely made the team. And I was like, I never want to have to have this discussion with a coach in a side room about maybe being the last guy on the team ever again. So I worked my butt off and I came in in high school and still wasn't the best player on my team. But I mean, by the time I graduated, I was this. I won the six man award for being valuable to the team in a six man sense. Uh, I, I started a few games my varsity year and my coach said, look, you're not a very good starter. But when you come off the bench, you bring all this energy in the world. So while you don't get to start, you're I'm in the game two minutes into the game. You know, and, Pretty good. and so like I reckon, but you have to, that's the recognition of hard work that I put in and learning to be a part of a team, learning that what it takes to be in life, to be a part of a team to, so I think that those are values that I take away. Same thing with football. I didn't play my junior year because first of all, I was 5'10", 150 pounds soaking wet as a guard, an offensive lineman. Just and I said, all around, I'm not you? doing that. <laughs> I'm not playing that game. And then all of a sudden, junior year i sprout up i'm 6'1 180 pounds of pretty good muscle okay i can play so i played my senior year and i won most improved player throughout the season i, I played two snaps in the first game against clintondale and i'll never forget it after the game i went up to my coach and i said no disrespect to you coach but that's the last time i don't play that much and he said do something about it and i said all right and i did and i ended up starting halfway through the year played a lot of tight end blocking tight end caught a couple passes my stat line from Kyle, from high school football two catches 14 yards and a two-point conversion. That's it. That's pretty good. To the my, death. Uh, no, it wasn't very good. My football highlights. <laughs> three rushing. <laughs> uh, I think it was for one yard, <laughs> one touchdown. <laughs> hey, so bad. you scored a touchdown. But I remember. That's because they force-fed me the ball so I could win 100 bucks off my stepdad. <laughs> my buddy uh, my buddy was our quarterback, and Brad said, and he, w- he went on to have a great career at Michigan as a pitcher. He lofted the ball up in the end zone and the two-point conversion on like a boot. And he just said, when I caught it and and stuff, we all run it back. And he's like, man, I'm glad you didn't drop that. And, just, <laughs> you know, and then I, the, the catch and run one was I, I ran like a f- quick flat and literally nobody caught me on the defense. So I was on my own sideline and I caught the pass and all my teammates are literally right behind me because I'm on the sideline. They're like, hold on to the ball. Go. And I'm like, look, and I'm like, all right. So I ran like this <laughs> wide open field and I have both hands over the ball. Like, like, it's, a like, like it's a baby and I'm running <laughs> and I got 14 yards and I got tackled. And I, I that was my. Those are the two plays from football that I probably remember the most. But uh, sports, I mean, look, it's my life. It's it, I breathe it. I don't know what the stock market's doing today. I never will be one of those guys that that notices anything else beyond. I mean, I, I stay out of politics. I stay out of the news for the same for for, for I, I don't care. And it's like you know what you care about and what you don't care about. And I love all sports. And every time, I mean, even if it's a sport that I don't like necessarily love the most, I still am aware. I'm still absorbing information as it's coming in and so sports is i mean it is my life it's what it's my livelihood if sports just stopped i would not know what to do with my life i'd be like okay what is there else out there for me what's your favorite sport i like college athletics the best uh there's nothing there's nothing i mean college football is great but college batman the tournament is the best time of the year i love the ncaa tournament but college football is really catching up uh, I don't agree with a lot of things the NCAA does, but at the same time, you know, being a part of that college football playoff this year was fantastic. And uh, moving forward, I mean, we have two great 
great teams in the state that are in our coverage area. And I don't think that I'll have to wait too long to get back to a college football playoff for Michigan and Michigan State. I, I don't I don't see that being a problem. So definitely college athletics is where I really hang my hat because I just like the attitudes of the players a little bit better than the attitudes of professional athletes because professionals can be difficult and they can think that they're better than you and all that stuff. And and that's, you know, like, look, man, we're just trying to make some TV. We're not trying to make you look stupid. We're not trying to back you into a corner. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a beat writer. I don't need to know every single stat about what you did on third and 15 and why you missed the block. I don't care. What I do want to know is if there's a funny thing that's happening in the locker room or if there's a, an interesting perspective on something, maybe open up with me a little bit. Maybe try to talk to me a little bit. And professionals, no, man, I'm not trying to, you know, make you, you know, I'm not trying to be. And it's like, all right, fine. So find, you got to find the athletes who will talk to you, who do have fun and do get it. You got to get it. Speaking of that, I know that me and you have talked when we've been on the on the web show about a couple different things, a couple of random moments that you've had in the locker room. What was the most awkward moment you've had with a professional athlete? I think uh, recently, this year, I can think of this awkward moment where uh, I, I had noticed that to hear Whitehead in, in training camp was slimmed down. According to my perspective, I was like, dang, Tahir really put some work in this offseason. He's ripped. He's faster. He looks leaner. He looks stronger. I go, I'm going to do a story on Tahir Whitehead being kind of this, this next coming linebacker or at least uh, the supplemental guy that, they, they, that you can lean on because this guy looks good. So I go to DeAndre Levy. And Levy's not great with the media. He's not poor with it, but he's not great with it. And Generally, because I've met him out in public. Yeah. He's, he's usually a really nice guy. Right. Usually he's, he's very good. I would completely agree with you that. You can sit there. You can have conversation with him. He'll give you the time or day. Yes. But so it strikes me as very odd that he's not very good with the media. So he, so I, I, I hate, hey, Dre, I got a couple questions for you. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So to hear Whitehead, I mean, this guy to me looks like a different player this year. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, I look at him and I just feel like he's, his physique is different. He has a different attitude. He looks faster. He looks stronger. Do you, do you see that? No. <laughs> what do you, what do you mean? No. He goes, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think he's always been, been, been strong and quick and lean. And I go, yeah, but. He didn't look this way last year. Yeah, he did. You just haven't been paying attention. I'm like, uh, okay. So moving And on. he goes, is that it? I go, I guess so. And he turns around and he walks away. All right, man. Like, that's you, so brutal. You know, and it's, so, he, it's, he's totally stonewalled you. It's, too. it's just, you know, <laughs> you knew what I was, I was trying to glorify a team. Right. And <laughs> you got nothing for me. Like, maybe open up a little bit. Maybe you, if, if you're a player that gets it, He'd have been like, oh, man, he's doing a great job. He's working so hard. I mean, I can't believe it. Nope. The worst Looks part the too, same to me. The worst part, too, is if, you, if you've ever been on the other side where you're conducting an interview, one word or short answers are the worst. Oh, it's, it's it, unusable. It, it, it it's unusable you, yeah, TV. It gives you nothing to build off of. Nothing. So he gave you absolutely zilch. Yeah. And that was a, that was an awkward one. Um, man, I'm trying to think back to – see, I've usually had a lot of uh, of success with interviews basically because – if you go in there with the attitude that, look, I'm not trying to burn you. Some, some members of the media try to go in and try to tell a negative story. I'm not into that business. I, I don't care. I don't, that's not what I'm trying to do. I mean, I'm, I still tweet with Antonio Brown. And if Antonio Brown were to see me to this day, I mean, this is talking about one of the best wide receivers. And this is, uh, this is definitely a Valenian Foster um, horn or, or a siren. Yeah, because can I'm, siren you? Yeah, you can siren <laughs> me right now. Because AB and I talked a lot about Central and Michigan and living here, and I would always go in there, and every time he would talk to me 
about whatever I wanted to talk about. Good dude, like best guy, got it, understood it. And, and even after losses, I'd go, hey, yeah, man, okay, what do you need? What do you need? Let's talk. And, and, you know, that's the type of thing that you don't get from superstars all over the place because some of them just don't get it and they mm-hmm. don't want to be around it. I mean, Justin Verlander is not good with the media because he's thinks he's better than the media. And I think a lot of times I've tried to go to him and say, hey, I'd like to do something fun. I'd like to just talk about the baseball game and how you fit in here. And you're so beloved by these. I don't got time. All right. Well, then I don't need to boost you up, because if you think that you're already at the top of the echelon of the sports fan world and everyone loves Justin Verlander so much, fine. Live in that world. I'm not going to. I have no agenda to tear you down, but I have no agenda to build you up. Right. Justin Verlander to me is a very good pitcher. He does his work when he's on very well, but I get to be critical of him when he's good and I get to be critical of him when he's bad. And if that's the way he wants to do it, fine. That's the way we'll do it. So I guess on the flip side of that question, what's been the best interview that you've had? What's the one that you can you're just like, man, I nailed that. That was fun. That guy's awesome. He gets it. Probably there's there's too many to probably pick out. I, I really do think that that there are certain certain I mean, I don't have I mean, one of my favorite I I guess I have one that sticks out. I had Dan Marino. He opened up a pizza shop. Uh, like a pizza restaurant chain in Pittsburgh. Um, and he was thrown out the first pitch at a Pirates game. And I got invited to come out to the restaurant where he was going to be. And I was the only member of the media that went. So here I am. Like They're like, yeah, they'll be here in a little bit. The owner and, and this guy who are partners and Dan Marino will be here in a little bit. Have a seat at this table. You know, Do you want something to drink? I was like, yeah, I'll have a Coke. So I'm sitting down at the table drinking a Coke. All of a sudden, Dan Marino, the owner, and like a, a former teacher because Dan Marino was from the Pittsburgh area and, and one of his like advisors at Pitt came and sat at the table I'm sitting at. The owner orders all this food and we're sitting there and I'm sitting right next to Dan Marino just like we've been best friends for years. We're laughing and we're telling jokes and I'm going, this is unbelievable. So I get him for a live interview on on the, the newscast and, and he comes on and, and that was a big moment and then I got to sit him down for a, an interview. And I remember we had talked, I kind of, you know, when I introduced myself and stuff, I said, man, I'll always remember you from Ace Ventura, pet detective more so from his more so from that than his playing. Cause I was not a huge that, that, pro that show, football that fan. That shows your age, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I remember going to the movie theater with my mom and she's like, this is the dumbest movie. It was the best was movie great. of all time. Yeah. So I remember during the interview, I asked him, I go, so, so you have, you know, obviously the super bowl, not now winning a super bowl has been something that's probably your biggest you know, like regret, but what's your best memory from your years of, of playing football? And he kind of Ace Ventura pet detective. And it was the best, <laughs> it was the best soundbite on TV because he was in deep thought. And then he just kind of looked up at the camera, Ace Ventura pet detective. And we start laughing. So I teased that like Dan Marino's fondest memory from football, not even on the field coming up at 10. And like, it was like, you know, it was a great interview and, and and it was he was a great guy and and yeah Marino that was one interview that was a lot of fun to do because it ended up turning out into a fun story from a guy he's working in the media so he obviously gets it that was fun so who's your favorite athlete of all time besides Sidney Crosby <laughs> and why I don't love Sidney Crosby as much as you think I love Sidney Crosby um, for those who don't know we had Justin on when when you first got the gig at a broadcast house we ended up having you on. And we sat there, we kind of picked your brain a little bit about a couple different things. And and through the course of this, we found out that you really like Sidney Crosby or that you were like, he's not as bad as a guy. This is, I think your, your exact quote was, he's not as bad as a guy as everybody thinks he is. Yeah, everyone thinks he's a jerk. So then we turned it into you love Sidney Crosby and he is your favorite athlete. 
Sidney Crosby is a good guy. <laughs> I'll, I'll stand. I'll stand by my. I'll stand by my previous statement. I, man, there's again. There's a lot. There's. It's hard to choose just one. Um, Do you have a hero growing up? Like I know for me, I love Steve Eiserman. If you come into my living room, it's like a shrine to Stevie. Y. It's kind of disgusting. The reason I wear number nineteen when I play hockey is because of Steve Eiserman. Is there a guy like that for you? See, I was always such a Michigan State fan mm-hmm. growing up. We didn't do the professional circuit as much. Like when I played hockey, uh, I grew up and I really liked, um, I mean, I liked Fedorov. I think I have a Patrick Waugh jersey because I really like Patrick Waugh. I like Joe Sackick a lot, uh, Peter Forsberg. So I liked a lot of the Colorado like Avalanche. Colorado, yeah. eh? I really liked the Avalanche growing up. Pavel Bure was like when we used to play in the street. Yeah. That was the guy that Dude, I was. The Russian we, Rocket was sick. We, we, on my buddy's garage, we would always light a smoke bomb and we'd play the jock jams. <laughs> and we do the introductions coming through the side door of the garage because half of the court, half of the rink was in the garage. Right. The other half was out in the driveway. So you played roller hockey in, in, in the garage yep. and out of the garage. <laughs> and we'd always do, and now number 10 for the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> Pavel, and you come through the smoke bomb and you raise your stick. And we had a siren little light that we made a whole production of it. We played so much street hockey. It was great. But uh, I ended up being Trevor Linden a lot because we would be like two on two, and mm-hmm. I would Pavel Bure and Trevor Linden. Sorry, Trevor Linden wasn't a bad dude. He wasn't a bad dude. I, I liked them too. Yeah, so, so it's all good. But uh, but as far as that, those so, so hockey players, hockey had a big influence on me growing up because that was the sport that I was actually good at, and I was naturally talented in a little bit, and and so I played a lot of attention. So I don't have like a like a hero. There is not a there's not a guy that I would get starstruck being in front of anymore i met magic johnson a couple of times and i thought that was pretty cool um because it's magic johnson but other than that i mean if if there's not like a there's not a football player or a baseball player or really even a hockey player that i would get starstruck in front of anymore all right well as we're kind of winding down here how do you see media and sports media evolving in the future i'm getting real sick and tired of this whole clickable like viral video stuff um Katie Nolan from um, Fox Sports 1, I think she's got a nice formula with the Garbage Time Show. Mm-hmm. It just takes away a little, and, that, and that's why it's it's tough, because I don't think that show is bad, per se, but it's it's kind of the future, a little bit. I hope because, not. But it is. Because me and him had this conversation the other day, me and John had this conversation yeah. the other day, and he was like, dude, he's like, I like Katie Nolan's show, Garbage Time, and I was like, I can't get into it to save my life. Like It's... I, th- I think she's attractive. I think she does a good job with what she does. And I think there's elements of her show that are good. Right. But well, and I that's, think- that's what I think. I think I'm looking more of it as elementary, like fun little f- spots of opinion are what's taking over sports broadcasting anymore. Mm-hmm. Being a reporter, people are doing that on their own because of how you can get information as fast as you can get it. You know the scores and you can look at the box score faster and more in depth than you ever have had to. In the past, because somebody else is doing the work for you. You're getting tweets. This team won. This guy had this many points. You don't need, you don't need me to tell you what happened in the game. That's not my job. My, you're, you, you've seen the game. I'm assuming that you've seen the game. And if you haven't seen the game, like, we, we'll, give, we'll, we'll, give you, we'll give you some highlights and we'll give you the gist. But I have to tell the story beyond the box score. And that's what I try to do every time I cover a game. Or that's what I try to do every time I'm leading up to a game is the story outside of the box score. So that's where it's different and it's so accelerated these days that, you know, like I got a tip from a guy in Philadelphia who works at a TV station that Chip Kelly was flying to Detroit one night before they kept Caldwell. So I looked at my friend and or not my friend, but my colleague. And I said, hey, I got this tip from a guy who's got a reputation like mine that 
he he's pretty much confirmed Chip Kelly's flying to Detroit at 11 o'clock on a Sunday night. I ran with it. I said, I got a source that's telling me that Chip Kelly is potentially flying to Detroit for a potential interview with the Lions. Two potentials, not saying it's happening. And it caught wildfire. Pro Football Talk had it on their website. A couple of other places had tweeted it out, and, and it got hundreds of retweets and tons of talk underneath everyone's, no, or, or, or Chip Kelly would be the worst. And, and so it got all of this debate. And, of course, then I got ripped for it because it didn't happen. Well, that's how, that's how sources work, guys. Sometimes, you, sometimes you're accurate. And, and sometimes you're wrong. And you covered yourself. You said potential. Yeah. I never I never pigeonholed myself, but right. but that's the that's the and that's the double edged sword you have to play with because you want to be first, but you want to be accurate. And look, if Chip Kelly flew to Detroit, I he didn't interview with the Lions, but apparently he was on a flight to Detroit. That's all I can tell you. Could have been a layover. Could have been a layover. Yeah. Exactly. He was on his way to Detroit on a on a flight, whatever. And you know, who knows if he was going to San Francisco from Detroit. I mean, I would imagine that he wouldn't have a layover, but Regardless, that's that's kind of how it's 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 so accelerated and it's so fast and it's so up to date and you have to become a voice of reason and you have to become a voice of truth or you will lose the credibility anymore is is now I don't think my credibility is in jeopardy because of one thing but at the same time I'm right more than I'm wrong which is what helps those types of things but we're, we're no longer just surveyors of uh, a conduit from this team to the player or to the fan. The fans can now go directly to the team for those types of things. So I have to redefine how I do it to make myself still necessary. Like I don't want to have that office space moment where what is it exactly you say you do here? You know? So that's where I have to find ways to keep connecting with people and continue to, to debate and talk about what you like about this, what you don't like about this, as well as, hey, this is what I know. This is what the team's told me. This is what the players told me. So this is what's actually happening. The whole Calvin Johnson thing. My sources are telling me half of them are like, yeah, here's a statement from the team. Other of them are, he's gone. The other side of it is he hasn't made up his mind yet. I got three sources telling me three different things. So I'm not going to go out and say one thing or another because I have contradicting sources that trust equally as much as the other ones. So it's different. It's tough. It's challenging, but that's, it's good. It's good that, you know, and that's what's part of the whole, I never feel like I'm in a rut with my job because you can't afford to do it or you get left behind. All right. We'll get you out of here on this and we appreciate your time. What advice do you have for aspiring broadcast professionals? Get ready. <laughs> I mean, re-listen to the early part of the conversation we had here and you'll just know what it's going to take. Um, I do honestly believe that without a support system, financially and emotionally, you're just not going to make it and stop trying to cut corners. There is no such thing as cutting corners in this business. Um, you got to work hard. Uh, there are the few people that get lucky breaks earlier on in their career than other, but they're few and far between. And, um, and, and just another thing too, uh, that I've, I've really been kind of taking more and more, uh, as I get older, don't be jealous of other people's opportunities. Your time will come if you are good enough. You, you can't worry about somebody else getting an opportunity over you if you think you could have had that opportunity because, you know, I mean, I had an opportunity for a job in Cincinnati. They, I interviewed with the news director and talked to the GM one day and had a, an impromptu interview with them. And I thought, they're like, we're looking for a sports reporter. We like you. You're funny. And I was like, hey, I could probably get this job. And I ended up not getting it. And I was down in the dumps and I was so sad. And then Detroit comes along. Home. Cincinnati's not home. I have no ties to Cincinnati. 
So, you know, your time will come if you work hard and you, and you, and you put in the effort and the energy and you, and you understand that there is no corner cutting because so much, so, so much so it, this business is getting younger and cheaper. I mean, there will be a day when somebody younger and cheaper than me is around and I'm only 31. Someone's coming for my job. So I have to be, you know, on top of it and continue to drive and continue to be somebody that people turn to and can follow and have it and enjoy. It's anymore. It's entertainment business. You got to enjoy being around the people. If you don't like watching somebody on TV, you're not going to watch them. So you got to keep it on, on that. Uh, that's the best advice. Just work hard. Remember, you know, try to try to be self-aware because this business, if you're not cut, if you're a quiet, solemn person, probably not going to have a ton of success in broadcast journalism as an outward talker. You might be a better writer or a better producer. I'm not saying there's not a job for you. Know your strengths and know your weaknesses. That's another thing I tell young people all the time. And I could tell within the first five minutes of meeting somebody who go, I'm going to be on TV one day. And I can say, no, you're not. And it's cruel. It's cruel. I don't ever want to dash anybody's dreams. But if a kid comes up and, hi, my name is Jeremy. And, you know, I really want to be on TV someday. I'd be like, then Jeremy, tell me why you want to be on TV. Talk to me. Tell me why. The best piece of advice I ever got from, from a producer along the way was, you have to almost grab the audience by the you know what. And tell them, I have something to tell you and you need to hear it from me. You don't have to be condescending about it. You don't have to be totally cocky about it. But you have to have that edge and you have to have that knowledge of, Adam, this is what I've got for you. And here's what you need to hear. And you're only going to get it from me. So you better be listening. And if you don't have that personality or that ability to adapt to that personality, you're probably not going to make it. And I'm, so I got to give a shout out to Matt Hawsworth down in West Virginia because when he started interning with us, I was like, there's no chance this guy's going to make it in this business. He's weak, weak, weak-minded and, and, and doesn't know how to get. We tried to do a stand-up one time, and he literally broke down in tears after a half an hour of not being able to get the stand-up. Oh, my God, what am I doing? What? And I had, he would probably kill me for telling the story. But now he's doing really, really well down there. He's ex- elevated himself. He's uh, working for West Virginia Illustrated, which is a uh, West Virginia Mountaineer Sports, and he's doing really well. And he's growing up. And he's I'm watching like I mentor. So when he gets asked the question, "Do you have a mentor?" It's me. I'm his mentor, and I keep in touch with him every now and then. And it can happen for you if you don't have the attitude right away. You just have to grow into it and stuff like that. He's a success story from that. But um, but that's my bet for for advice. Keep working at it. Don't lose faith. And if you do, you'll probably make more money. So don't, it's not all, it's not all bad. If you get out of it, it's not all bad. Justin, we want to thank you for your time. Thank you for spending uh, all this information and, and I guess all this time, because this was a, this was a long one. <laughs> no <laughs> one's listening at this point well, now. No. <laughs> My life story is not that interesting. I, I, you know what? I thought it was really good. You can catch Justin on Sundays at 11 yep. on Channel 7. You can check him out on the Sports Cave. You can check him out on Monday afternoons doing the web show on WXYZ.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can check you out. I mean, you're everywhere throughout the week. Throughout just the week reporting on Channel Seven, mm-hmm. doing sports. I mean, actually, going to follow him on Twitter. Uh, yeah, J Rose WXYZ. There's a little Twitter plug. Um, love to love to interact with some of you guys out there. If you have any more questions or anything like that, or you just want to make fun of me, that's fine. You can do that there. Um, but yeah, I'm having a story air tonight that I'm not even working today. So you know that's how it works sometimes. The beauty of TV. But uh, thanks for having me, guys. You guys do a really good job of, uh, of, of your podcast. I've listened to a few of them, and, and Adam, of course, on the web show uh, every other week or so. And we'll continue to do that, and hopefully um, we'll do this again sometime. Sounds good. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys.